Well, if you want to go ahead and be opening your Bible to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 4, we'll come to that in the middle of the sermon because I have several things I want to say before we get to that. But kicking off a, a new year, and I know some of you have some goals for the year. Uh, maybe a few of you, uh, you know, said, I, I'm going to, like Jamie mentioned, I'm going to clean out a closet or declutter a little bit. Some of you have said, I'm going to lose some weight. Maybe somebody said, I'm going to take a vacation this year. I didn't take one last year. I'm taking a vacation this year. Uh, I can imagine there are people who are saying, I'm going to spend more time with my family or with my wife, my husband. I'm going to work on relationships with my kids or my grandkids. There's all these different things that we, we say, in the year ahead, I want to do better than I did last year. But the question I want to ask you is, where does Jesus fit into that? What, what is your goal, what is your desire this coming year when it comes to Jesus Christ and your relationship with him as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ when it comes to spiritual growth and living in intimacy and obedience and godliness with Christ? Now, I, in my own life, in my own life, do you know what the biggest obstacle for me growing spiritually is? What do you think? It's me. And in your life, what's the biggest obstacle that gets in the way of you growing spiritually? What's the, what's the most significant obstacle that, that keeps us from becoming all that God is calling on and leading us to become as disciples? I would suggest that in your life, the biggest obstacle you face is the one you see in the mirror every morning. It's you, just like it is for me. We are our own worst enemies sometimes. I think we can uh, identify with what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7. And So just look at these verses. We'll come to Matthew in a moment, but you're, you're familiar with these. He said, what am I doing? You ever ask that? Why did I do that? What's wrong with me? What was I thinking? What am I doing? And so Paul says, what am I doing? I do not understand. I'm, I am not practicing. I'm not doing what I like to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate. You said, I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to eat better. And then you ate a bag of Doritos and you said, what was I thinking? Right? We all can relate to what Paul says in that verse. You drop down a couple of verses to verse 18. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, in our, in our sinful nature that has a propensity toward doing the opposite of what God wants us to do what is best for us, our flesh. He says, for the willing is present in me. There's a desire to do it, but the doing of the good is not. I, I want to. I just, for some reason, don't succeed. I don't, I don't do it. Now, all of us have areas where we're very disciplined, and whatever we set our mind to, we do. But we also have those, those areas where we know we need to be doing things, and for some reason, we just keep messing up. Verse 19, he said, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. Now, can anybody in the room identify with what Paul said? Hmm? Is there anyone in this room that never struggles in any area of life the way Paul describes it here? I mean, I really believe that our, our biggest obstacle to spiritual growth is ourselves. It's me and it's you because... Uh, we're involved. Listen, you are involved in every decision you make. Nobody else is. People are involved in other decisions, but the only person involved in every decision you make is you. 
And the only person involved in every decision I make is me. And that is true when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ. I have to deal with me. If I'm going to grow in 2020, if I'm, if I'm going to become a, a stronger disciple this year, I have to deal with me. And if you're going to move beyond where you are, let's say you've grown in the past, but now you're stuck. Past growth is not an excuse for no growth in the future. The past is not a substitute for today or tomorrow. And if you're going to grow in the year ahead, you must deal with you. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus said, If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out, throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. In the very next verse, Jesus said, If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, Jesus is using, you know, extreme language to make the point that, that if you're going to move forward in obedience to God, if you're going to grow spiritually, you must deal with you because you are the obstacle in your life. You must deal with you. I must deal with me. So what's the answer? How do I deal with myself? How do you deal with yourself? I want to say that I believe the answer based on Scripture and, and experience is a daily, a daily, consistent, authentic encounter with Jesus Christ through His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and me responding to what he says. Now that's a lot more than just reading the Bible every day. It's a daily encounter with Jesus through his word. The Holy Spirit empowers it. And I respond to what he says to me, what he does in my life through that daily experience. It has to be daily. It has to be consistent. And it can't always be rushed. If every encounter you have with Jesus outside of Sunday morning is a rushed five minutes, it's not going to work. No marriage remains vibrant for long if every encounter is just five minutes a day. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is not going to remain vibrant long term if every encounter you have with him from time to time is just a rushed, hurried five minutes a time. It's, it's getting into the word not to know the Bible but to know God. Not to learn more about Scripture, but to learn how I am to respond as a disciple. In the process, I will get to know the Bible. I will learn Scripture. But if your goal is to just know stuff, to learn Scripture, you're not going to become the disciple that you're capable of being in the power of Jesus Christ. God uses His Word to do a work in us. It's about an encounter with Him to be transformed. You remember... Back in the fall, we defined a disciple this way. Let's look at this diagram. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, and because they are following Jesus, they are being transformed by Jesus, changed by Jesus, and the result of that then is they are on mission with Jesus Christ, just like his 12 disciples walked daily with him for three years, interacted with him, 
served with him, and they grew and they changed and they were transformed so that when Jesus, after the resurrection, ascended back to the Father in heaven, they were able to carry on the mission of Christ. That's who disciples are. We follow Jesus. We have encounters with Jesus. And through those encounters, we are changed. We are transformed. So we are then able to effectively be on mission for Jesus, doing ministry with Jesus Christ. And so my daily encounter with Christ, my daily conversation with Jesus, my daily experience with Jesus, I need to hear from him. And that's not going to happen if I'm only having an occasional rushed, hurried two, three, four, five minutes in the word. It's not going to happen if I'm only reading scripture or primarily reading scripture so I can know stuff. It's like somebody gets all caught up and wanting to learn everything they can about the second coming, the end of times, and they study that hours upon hours, learning all this information. What good does that do you if it's not changing who you are and how you're impacting the world for Jesus Christ? It's not about knowing stuff. It's about knowing Him, about being transformed. Now, when we have those kind of experiences, things happen. When we have those kind of encounters with God, things happen. One thing that happens is we experience spiritual growth. Look at uh, the verse on the screen from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. He said, like newborn babies, like infants, <clears throat> long for, crave, desire, the sincere milk, the King James says, the, the pure milk. It's not contaminated. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, spoiled. It's pure. It keeps us healthy of the Word. Why? So that we can do what? Are you with me, church? What, what does God's Word say? So we can what? So God says if you want to grow in your salvation, you want to grow as someone who is a saved person, you have to have this hunger, this longing for the Word of God. I remember when Stephen, our first child, was an infant. My goodness, we had to wake up before he did because he was the best alarm clock we've ever had. And I had to have that bottle ready because as soon as he woke up, he was standing in that crib and he screamed until that bottle was in his mouth. God says we need to have a hunger, a longing for the pure milk of his word because that's how we grow. And so when we have these daily encounters with God, through His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, responding to what He says to us, one of the outcomes is that we are going to grow spiritually. A second outcome is we will become more righteous. You struggle with sin. You struggle with temptation. You struggle with weaknesses in your life. These daily encounters with God through His Word, empowered by the Holy Spirit, responding to what He says to us, will enable us to become more righteous, more obedient, more godly. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. It's His Word. And it's profitable. It benefits us in many ways, teaching, reproof, correction. But notice the last part of that verse. What does it do? trains us in what? In righteousness. If you're an athlete, you train. 
If you want a profession, a career, in a certain field, you have to train yourself. These daily encounters with God through His Word, empowered by the Spirit to which we respond to what He says, trains us to live more like Jesus, to be more righteous, to obey Him. Not just in big things, but in small things. Not just in the things we think are important, but in the things that He thinks are also important. And Jesus... Man, he set a really great example for us when it comes to reading the Word of God and using it in daily life. He had the Old Testament, and he read it. How do we know he read it? In the Gospels, in the four Gospels, Jesus quoted the Old Testament 78 times. Now think about that. We have written record in the New Testament, the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus quoting Old Testament Scripture 78 times. In fact, of the 39 books in the Old Testament, Jesus quoted, listen, 27 of the 39 books. What does that tell us? He read it. He knew it. He understood how it applied to life. And he used it as such. And in Matthew 4, the passage I want us to look at, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, which is what we deal with. When, when, when we don't grow, it's because we're allowing Satan to win in our lives. When we don't practice righteousness, it's because we're allowing Satan to win in our lives. And when Satan was trying to defeat Jesus, when he was trying to get Jesus to do unrighteous things, when he was trying to get Jesus to not move forward in obedience to the will of the Father, when he tempted Jesus, Satan, Satan came straight at him, just like he does us, at, at, at weak points, at, at points of need to not only Christ, but the, the same needs that each of us have. And Jesus dealt with all of that. By knowing the Word of God and responding to it. Matthew chapter 4, let's read together if you have your Bible, starting at chapter 1 through verse 11. Words will not be on the screen. I want you to open your Bible if you have a copy, please. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Listen, when you're living for God and doing what's right, you're still going to be tempted. Verse 2. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, so 40 days without eating, fasting, praying, he then became hungry. And the tempter, who's the tempter? The devil, Satan. The tempter came and said to him, said to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. That's a pretty good temptation for a hungry man, isn't it? In verse 4, but Jesus answered and said to him, it is what? Now, now what? So he wasn't sharing an opinion. He was sharing what God has said in his work. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. Verse 5, Then the devil took him, took Jesus into the holy city to Jerusalem, and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, a really elevated 
high part of the temple precincts. And, and, and he said to Jesus, he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, jump off. For it is written, he will give command, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan can distort scripture. And Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, Jesus responded by knowing, quoting Scripture. In verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. The Bible tells us Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He controls a lot that is in this world. If Satan knows that getting a certain job or having a certain income or a certain position can defeat you spiritually, guess what? He has the ability to give it to you. He knows where you are vulnerable, where you are weak. And so Satan could give Jesus things. Verse 9, he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. If you'll just compromise. You ever compromise to get ahead? You ever walk back from Jesus just a little bit to get something you wanted? And Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, get behind me. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and began to minister to him. You see a pattern here, don't you? See a pattern. We've talked about that before. How Jesus used the word of God to fortify himself when he was tempted. Well, this week, in my quiet time, that's the chapter I read one day. And... Um, I'm pretty familiar with that chapter. I've preached on it several times. But God personal, he, he personalized it for me. He applied it to my life in a different way as I was reading and meditating and praying over the temptations of Jesus. And so this is it's just a, a little paragraph, but this is what I wrote in my journal earlier this week about the temptations. Satan's temptations often appeal to our needs and wants. He obviously did that with Jesus, didn't he? He said, in my, and then I wrote here, in my own life, he's used my personality traits to tempt me. In other words, what, the way we are wired quite often determines how Satan comes at us. If any of you are familiar with personality profiles and so on, one of those is the disc. I'm an I personality type with a strong secondary D. And I know that doesn't mean anything to some of you, but what it, what it says is that I like to talk. Well, no shocker. I like to talk, avoid conflict, overpromise, procrastinate, be liked, all areas where I've been tempted and at times failed and even sinned. In other words, every, every personality type has strengths and weaknesses that we have to manage. And what I started reflecting on is how Satan sometimes has used the basic characteristics of my personality type to affect me. And then I wrote about how because of that, because of my personality type, so that he can't distract me and defeat me, I need structure. I need some structure to be effective and not constantly distracted because I get bored. I, you, you've heard me say sometimes I like a variety of music and, and, I, and I do so. If I listen to one genre of music for a day or so, after that I can't stand it. I want to listen to another genre and so I jump around about six or seven different genres of music. I'm just wired that way. 
doing the same thing over and over and over that's monotonous puts me in a grave. But because of that, and, 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 and so I need some structure. But it can't be too much structure because too much structure will kill somebody like me. But I've got to have enough structure that Satan can't defeat me. And I, I wrote some more about that, but as I started reflecting. And what I'm talking about when you have your encounter with Jesus as you get into the Word is, is it not just to read Scripture. It's not just to know Scripture, but to allow the Holy Spirit to make it live in your life. And what is it saying to you? And so for me, because of the way I'm wired, I have to have structure when it comes to sermon preparation. There's a reason I do three study retreats a year. I have structure when it comes to my marriage so that I sit down several times a year and plan dates for Monisa and me months ahead, shows that we want to go to, concerts that we want to go to. So, and so because if I don't, I'll just bounce around all over the place and never get that done. But I can't structure 24 hours a day because just put a gun to myself and shoot me. That'll kill me. And so God started talking to me about some things in my life for this coming year. And what I'm saying is as you get into the Scripture, it is not enough simply to read. It is not enough simply to know stuff about Scripture. It is to allow God to take His Word and speak His truth into you. And what does it mean about you and your life, who you are, the way you are wired, the temptations you face? Because Satan came to Jesus and said, Jesus... I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Turn those stones into bread. You can do it. And he was speaking to Jesus at a point of need. And every person in this room, because of who we are, who you are, how you are put together, there are certain needs and certain wants you have. And some of them are the same as me, but some of them are different than me. Some of you need things I don't need, and I need things that some of you don't. Satan knows how to come in each of us at those points of need and those wants and those desires that we have to tempt us. And, and if he's dangling in front of us something we want so badly, how do we deal with that? How do I deal with me? It's by having this daily encounter with the Lord. And what was Jesus' response? You don't live on bread alone. You don't live just on what you need. You don't live just on what you want. But on every word that proceeds, that comes out of the mouth of God, having that hunger for the Word of God and that daily feasting on His Word and allowing Him to speak it into your life. Satan takes Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, real high place, and says, jump off, and the angels will come and catch you. People will see that. The crowd was shouting, clapping, hallelujah. And all of us on some level, in some way, want people to see us, want people to recognize us. All of us in some way want somebody's approval, somebody's acceptance. We, we want to be special. We, we, some of you are shy and don't want to stand out, but at the same time, you don't want to be ignored either. You want to be part of the crowd. And if Satan 
knows that's true of you and he, and, and, and he knows which person or which group that's an issue for you with, man, he knows how to come at you. So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with me? How do you deal with you? You're in his word. You're having those daily encounters with him. And you begin to realize that your identity, your identity is not tied up in what those people think about you and say about you, but your identity is tied up in the Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ the Lord, Jesus Christ your Savior, whom you're spending time with every day. And, and the more consistently you spend time with him every day, guess what? The more special he becomes to you unless you and the less you worry about what everybody else thinks. Satan takes Jesus to this high mountain and he shows them the kingdoms of the world, Rome and Greek, Greeks. If it was today, it would be China, America, Russia. And says, I'll give you all of that stuff. We all want to be successful. We all want to achieve. We all want something. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's a position. Maybe it's a title. And if Satan knows you want something so strongly, he he can maneuver in your life in that area to defeat you, to keep you from growing, to to cause you to do things that are unrighteous. How do you deal with that? How, How do I deal with me? How do I deal with, how do you deal with you? We're, we're in his word every day, having those encounters with him, feasting on his word. And because we're spending time with him, we're learning to love him more. And our identity, our identity is more tied up in him than it is in everything else. And suddenly we begin, we begin to realize that success in life, success in life is not determined by what we possess, but success in life is determined by the fact that we are in a right relationship with him and with others. See, here's the powerful thing about the Word of God. We all have these basic needs and these basic wants and these basic desires that Satan uses to to mess us up and keep us from growing and keep us from being righteous. We hang out with Jesus every day in His Word. The Holy Spirit empowers that Word in our lives and we grow in our love for Him and we respond to what He says and we begin to grow and we begin to become more righteous. Listen, Every time Satan comes at you because you're having those kind of daily encounters with God, God has the ability to take his holy word and speak into you in that moment what he knows you need at the deepest level of your soul to keep you moving forward in him. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is living. It's not dead. It's not just words on a page. That's why if you think reading the Bible is just about knowing the Bible, you miss it. It's a living Word of God, and it gets in us, and it does a work. It's about an encounter. It's about knowing God. It's the living Word of God, and it's active. It always does something when read properly for the right heart. 
and it's sharp like a two-edged sword. Piercing. Notice how, how, how sharp the Word of God is. It divides between the soul and the spirit. Man, you can't divide any more <laughs> narrowly than that. The joints and the marrow gets inside the bones and is able to judge. I believe the King James says is a, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I mean, you can hide stuff from other people. You can try to hide it from yourself. You can't hide it from God because when you get into his word, his Holy Spirit is going to take these these, this, 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 these words and he's going to speak into you at your point of deep need, deep wants, deep fears, deep struggles. God's going to talk to you about what you need and you're going to respond or you're going to stop reading. You're going to respond and grow and practice righteousness or you're going to fall back into the habit of just picking it up every now and then and having a hurried five minutes once or twice a week, maybe. Do you realize the blessing that is ours because God's given us His Word and His Holy Spirit? So here's the challenge for 2020. is to have an encounter with Jesus every day in His Word. Have an encounter with Jesus every day in his word. And respond to what he says. So we can know him better, so we can grow spiritually, so we can grow in our ability to be righteous, overcome our weaknesses and our, our, our sinful flesh. Over, over and, 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 and I believe realize the desire of our hearts because I am convinced. I'm an optimist by nature. And I'm convinced the people who genuinely know Jesus in their heart want to grow in Jesus. I believe that. I believe if you know Jesus Christ, there's part of you. If you're not growing today, I believe there's a huge part of you that wants to grow, that wants to, 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 to be closer to him. And our word this year is clarity, and I'm trying to clarify for us why we read Scripture. It's not an exercise in academia. It's an exercise in transformation and worship. And that's why we're having, we've put together this New Testament reading plan for 2020. On your chairs, there's a, a bookmark, a Bible mark. It's the it's the same plan. By the way, how many of you, because I know we've had a lot of people traveling, vacation, and, and, and sickness, and so on. How many of you were here last Sunday? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you were not here last Sunday? Raise your hands. All right. Half of you or so weren't here last Sunday. So last Sunday we passed out this. It's a bifold. It's a New Testament reading plan. There are copies on the table in the back to my left. This bookmark is the same thing, but it's only half a year. We couldn't fit the whole year on one bookmark. So in, this summer we'll put out another bookmark. So New Testament reading plan. And what you do is you read one chapter a day, five days a week. You have two days off to catch up because you'll miss a day. Give yourself some grace. Okay? I miss a day from time to time. I need some grace. So five chapters a week. 
And not just any chapters, it's systematic. You'll read through the whole New Testament. You don't start in Matthew and go to Revelation. You do it a little bit differently than that. Follow this plan. It starts this week. Today, tomorrow, start reading. Five chapters. If you already started last week, that's great. No problem with that. Read the New Testament this coming year with us. And last Sunday, we made available these journals. There's more on the table in the back. And so when you read your chapter that day, when you read, you pray, say, God, speak to me. You read and you write down verse 10 is the one God said, spoke to me through. And what did God say to you? What does it mean? And what did God say to you? And what are you going to do as a result of that? How are you responding to what God said to you? And write it in your journal because there is something about capturing it and writing that takes it to a deeper level than just thinking it. So journal, these journals are available on the table in the back. If we run out, we'll order more. To help, to help on Wednesday nights at 6.30, in room 210 back here in the corner, myself and Steve Polk and Jamie Burdett are going to team teach a class, a survey of the New Testament. We'll do it all, all year, this fall included. And, and we're going to focus on the five chapters you're reading that week. So this week... You're reading in, I think it's Luke's gospel, chapters 1 through 5. So Wednesday night, we're going to talk about Luke 1 through 5. Have some discussion, and we're going to teach you some basics about hermeneutics and, and uh, authorship and different things too. So we'll do that and keep them with the reading plan and teach you something different about hermeneutics every week, Wednesday night. The other thing that God's put on my heart, there will be some exceptions, but most Sundays in 2020, the sermon I will preach on Sunday morning will come from one of the chapters we read that week. So I won't be doing many series in 2020. Just somewhere in one of those, somewhere in those five chapters for that week, God's going to put something on my heart. I've already got some ideas that He's speaking to me about, and I'm going to preach. So we're reading the chapters. You're journaling about the, what God said to you each day. I'm going to preach from one of those passages on Sunday. We've got the class on Wednesday night. For those who want to come to that and go deeper on those chapters, we're doing what we can to help you. Now, we've been talking a lot about D groups. Last year, we piloted three D groups. D groups are still being formed for 2020. We don't know exactly how many we're going to have. It's somewhere around 15 or so. We're probably going to have around 60 to 80 people in D groups in 2020, which is a really good start. And I think in 2021, I'm looking for us to have 150 to 200 people in D groups. Those in D groups are reading the same, following the same New Testament reading plan. May not be on the exact same schedule because they're not all starting at the same time. The difference is when they get together each week, they're in a small accountability group where they're talking about what God said and, and doing some other things that you won't do if you're not in a D group. But I want you to know the D groups are reading the same scripture passage. And i got to say, it has been amazing, the response to, to this focus. Um, it really has. I've been so blessed and encouraged and excited. Um, and, and there may be some of you who are a little disappointed you're not, you're not in a group. And understand, we're initiating this, so we, don't, we only have so many trained leaders. We can only do so many groups right now. And more who are going through these will be trained, and we'll be able to start groups throughout the year and next year. And, and because these are organic, we're not, we're not saying in our D group ministry, all right, we, we, here's, 
six people. We're putting you together on Wednesday night. It's more organic than that because these meet all over the map. Some meet in the morning, some meet at night, some meet in the middle of the day, some meet on weekends and Sundays, some meet during the week. It's organic. You'll have your opportunity if you don't get in one this year and you're interested. But let us know if you're interested. We'll, we'll let people know that you're interested in being part of a group. We'll try to help you. But, but hopefully next year, if anybody can't get in one this year, next year everybody will be able to be in one who wants to as we continue developing this new ministry. But if you can't be in a D group this year, you can read the New Testament and you can journal. And, and I shared last week that journaling is important. Note-taking is important because you remember more, you retain more, you understand more. It's just a spiritual discipline, not only in your Bible reading but in sermons. You're less likely to go to sleep if you take notes during the sermon. And God will talk to you. You need to be more than just a passive listener to grow, to maximize your growth. All right, let me wrap this up because I'm already over. In 2019, I did something I've never done before. Now, I had read every verse of the New Testament. But I had never done what I did last year, which is read the entire New Testament in a systematic fashion. Like you're going to be doing right now. And journaled on every chapter what God spoke to me in that chapter. I had never done that on every chapter of the New Testament. I'd done it periodically here and there. But in 2019, I journaled what God said to me for every chapter of the New Testament. And I'll be doing the same thing again in 2020. I'm encouraging you to do that. And I have learned that if you practice that kind of discipline, God will show you a lot of stuff. And you will grow. You will grow. You will grow. And some days it'll be real exciting, and the other days it'll be, eh, okay. That's all right. Every meal is not a five-star meal. Some days are more inspiring than others. But I need to eat every day. I need to take my vitamins every day, right? You need to be in the Word of God every day. So don't allow a day or two from time to time that's not all that inspiring. Say, well, I'm not getting much out of this. It ain't about what you get out of it. It's about what God is doing in you consistently consistently so take the journey with us read the New Testament journal take notes in the journal take notes on Sundays come to the class have an accountability partner if you can't come to the class on Wednesday night get with your spouse and say hey hold me accountable for my readings this week hold each other accountable and if you're a parent, let your kids see you reading God's Word. Don't do it all in secret. Set an example for them. Let them see you with God's Word open. And from time to time, talk to them about what God said to you in His Word and how you're changing, how you're growing. All right, let's stand. And we're going to sing a song, an invitation.
And I'm asking you to respond, just, just like you will in your journal, respond to what God has said to you. To kneel here at the altar, to bow your head where you stand, but respond, always respond when God speaks. Pastors are here at the front. You can join this church. You can request baptism. You can come to one of our pastors and say, you know, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to become a follower of Jesus. And they'll talk with you about that and help you understand how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Come and pray. But above all, make a commitment to take this journey with Jesus and with us this year for spiritual growth by having an encounter every day with God in His Word. Let's sing. You come.